0: Hello and welcome to Season 4 of Somerset Stories, the podcast which explores the lives of the people who live, work and create in Somerset. My name is Lewis Webb and each week I get to share the stories of some of the inspiring, creative and successful individuals and families that make this beautiful county their home. We're back for a new season with 14 fantastic guests lined up ready to share their lives and insights. Plus, we've got a brand new game to play to test their Somerset knowledge to the limits. As ever, your comments, reviews and feedback are always appreciated, and if you'd like to send us a message, you can email hello at SomersetStories.com. My guests this week are Cindy and Chaz Barnstable, the mother and daughter duo at the head of Somerset Leather Goods Institution, Owen Barry. Following in the heritage and footsteps of generations of leather specialists in their family, Cindy and Chaz continue to produce top quality goods for an international market. As a member of Leather UK, the trade association for the UK leather industry, they've also been featured in a recent publication, The Art of Leather. We chatted last month and talked about keeping things in the family and the history of tanning and leather goods production in Somerset. We also have a cracking game of Somerset Who's Who right at the end of the podcast. So make sure you stick around for that. Cindy Chaz, welcome to Somerset Stories.
1: Thank you. Hi, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for inviting us. Appreciate it.
0: You are the first mother and daughter interview that we've had on Somerset Stories. So that's quite exciting.
1: Oh, dear. That's a bit um, tricky, isn't it? Okay, right. Well, as long as. No pressure. No. (laughs) As long as we don't end up fighting halfway through, we'll be fine.
0: Do you do many interviews together?
1: No. No, we don't. No, No, we don't. We do a lot of. trade shows and just general getting out there meeting people, but usually face to face, not not remotely, so to speak.
0: And how how are you well, are you versed in podcasts? Do you listen to many?
1: I do. Oh, I'm a, Cindy loves a podcast. Yeah, I love yeah. a podcast, and have listened to yours. I must say, and enjoyed them. Thank you. But uh, yeah, I do. I keep sending Chaz links and saying, "Listen to this. Listen to this." But as a well, a new mum of a, a now one year old, my uh, uh, my recommendations seem to fall on deaf ears or deaf links. <laughs> <laughs>
0: You're firmly based in Somerset now, but the the family traditions or, or lineage goes back to Ireland, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, it does. Wow, well done. The leather part of our family and industry, our um, attachment to leather goes back to uh, my great-great-grandparents who were... Um, well, we don't know. There's there's two schools of thought. They were either cattle rustlers who were sort of moved on out of Ireland by the, the Garda in the um, late 1800s, or they were casualties of the Sort of potato famine, or the end of the potato famine, and they came to the West Country uh, to start life afresh, really, and they started when they came over here to be uh, tanners in uh, in Wiltshire in uh, Ditton Marsh in Wiltshire, and they had a very small tannery there. Um, they were a very loving couple, they had uh, twelve kids very well balanced, six boys, six girls. Um, but because the tannery was so small, they actually, um, their eldest son was the one that came to Street to uh, run the the tannery, the main tannery here in Street in the early 1900s. And uh, um, yeah, and so that's how Our side of the business ended up in Somerset, as opposed to Wiltshire. Uh,
0: So that was your grandfather, Reginald. Is that right?
1: Yeah, my grandfather. Sorry, uh, Reginald. He um, he was the first of the Barry boys to uh, come to the tannery, and uh, he was the the boss, I suppose. But in time, all um, of his six, five brothers. Um, also came and and joined the tannery and uh, uh, worked in various aspects of it. And then his own... Children, uh, my father and his two elder brothers—they also um, came into the business um, as as they uh, well as they came of age to to start working. The eldest one was uh, sort of the fell monger, or the uh, the the person that processed the the skins. Got all of the. Uh, the the nasty bits, cleaned them and stabilised them. Uh, the middle son, um, he was the one that learnt all the, the tanning and the colouring and the finishing of the skins. And then my father, Owen, who was the youngest, he was the one that was um, actually sent away to learn his part of the trade. He was sent ooh, all the way to Yeovil, where he was trained as um, uh, as an apprentice cutter by a, a master cutter down there in Yeovil for over, originally he was apprenticed for seven years, but because of the war that came in between, he actually ended up uh, working under Mr. Robbins for best part of 11 years.
0: And so, just going back to your grandfather then, how long was he around for? Do you have memories of him growing up? Was he still around?
1: Yeah, he was. I only have very faint memories. He was older... When I was uh, sort of in sort of six seven something like that, it's more my grandmother who um, was who I was more involved with my my, my father's mother she was a, a very strong woman and she was the one that sort of influenced us more.
0: These days, if you look for tanning in Somerset, you'll probably find your nearest sunbed salon
1: <laughs>
0: but. at the time there would have been quite a large community of tanneries in the area is that right
1: yeah yeah i i think i don't really know the true origins of it but obviously c and j clark cyrus clark um and where they started tanning um and then the the surge of the Footwear industry around here uh, spawned a huge amount of uh, little satellite tanning and manufacturing units. And similarly, down in Yeovil, there was pitards and the gloving side of it and a lot more smaller tanneries. Um, Yeah. At one point in time, it was, I guess, one of the very main employers in the area.
0: So as you say, the footwear business was going great guns in and around Street, obviously with Clarks, But the distant city lights of Yeovil, as you mentioned before, um, has a massive history in the gloving trade as well. So there was kind of a, a bit of a busy period of growth in in the first half of the last century as well, wasn't there? It was really, really, really productive time for, for gloving.
1: Yeah, well, certainly, as I say, Owen, um was apprenticed and um one of many uh young men that were um cutters at the bench learning full table cutting in in Yeovil. and it was a, a a massive employer and When Owen returned from the war, he also started just as a uh, a as a table cutter cutting gloves but into the fifties, of course, um, gloving became less and less necessary. Ladies weren't wearing gloves like they used to, and so that was when um, a lot of industries had to uh, start diversifying into different products.
0: And it was just after the Second World War that that Owen set up the business, sort of as it is as it's become now.
1: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because by the time uh, the war had ended, the uh, grandfather and uh, Owen's two elder brothers had stopped in the tanning industry. So by the time Owen came home from the war, um, there was no family tanning. And uh, so he had to fall back on his skills, which were the manufacturing parts. And that was where um, that was when the business was basically established in 1948, when he was bringing his own skills to the table and started cutting and making gloves. And then the different other aspects of the ranges evolved Uh,
0: you were born about 10 11 years after that so in your early years did family life pretty much revolve around
1: the company no um it, it was one of our rules um and a rule that actually has has gone into Chaz and our relationship as well, that as soon as you walk over the threshold of home, you don't talk about um, business. Home is for home and family. Um, Business is for business. So until I started work doing it as a after school job or a, you know, Saturday job, I had no understanding of i guess what owen did really
0: having been through his service in the war was your father quite traditional was there a sort of stiff upper lip approach or was it a more kind of uh, emotionally friendly environment oh
1: good question well i always felt very loved and included um yeah, we I I guess, ooh, I don't I don't really know. I I wouldn't say he was stiff upper lip. They were very uh staunch Christian scientists, so there was a lot of love and a lot of turning the other cheek and being patient and forgiving. So, uh, I don't think there was a lot of talk or there wasn't a lot of um I don't know what the expression is now they weren't so demonstrative about the love and generosity that there perhaps is nowadays but yeah certainly there wasn't an aloofness i ever felt
0: so you think you have picked up that uh, that sort of supportive loving demeanor i suppose to your own your own family and your own view on on the world
1: No, this is chas
2: isn't here then uh yeah i know uh, yeah, she has very much so and and it comes into the the work environment as well so yeah we um, oh thank you yeah <laughs> she's very patient and um yeah she's very um caring and considerate really um to to others and that pays off within the company as well as home
0: Cindy, you talked about your early foray into working for the business. Was that a conscious decision that you you wanted to join the family business or is it something that you stumbled into more naturally?
1: Oh, no, it was uh, the the Saturday work and um, that kind of thing. Everybody used to do that. We all had uh, little jobs so as soon as you were about 11, 12. And then I was going to um, go to college because my friend had gone to college. So if Jen could go, I could go. But um, in actual fact, just before I was going to go to SCAT, it was um, Owen had a lady who had time off doing maternity Uh, for due to maternity and so he said to me, Oh sin, come and help in the office and be a bit of a junior and a gopher. And so in the May I started and whoa I've never had never been away from it ever since, really. It was just enjoyed it and yes, just did it.
0: Did you ever get the impression there was a oh well it's it's the boss's daughter element to, to you being around the rest of the workers?
1: Yeah, totally, at times. Um, I am an only child, so I spec at the time uh, they thought I was a right spoil, so-and-so. And uh, um, certainly at times there were things that I did that I heard them uh, behind my back saying, oh, if she wasn't Owen's daughter, she wouldn't get away with it. And um, yeah, but you you learn those you learn those lessons pretty quick. You know, if you're a bit sensitive, people talking about you unkindly um, soon teaches you to have a different attitude. I think.
0: I suppose at that time there were probably different gender dynamics as well going on. It's I, I don't know anything about the business, but it strikes me that at that time it would have been very very male dominated. Was that something that you felt you had to to overcome, either consciously or or unconsciously at the time?
1: And not exactly. At the time, I never um, I never felt a second class citizen. My father was was never like that. The only time that I actually felt it was when I was meeting through business as I became older and more responsible in the business. Um, solicitors and bank managers always um, they were very um, looked down on on, or I always felt they looked down on us or on me and uh, didn't think I was necessarily uh, worthwhile of the trust my dad put in me when I started taking over running the business I guess.
0: Jazz. how about you what are your earliest memories of the factory and the business
2: I couldn't tell you how old I was but there would be many times that I would be um within the factory and certain members of staff would um you know make me boats out of cardboard to entertain me and um and you know sit me in the the window looking out at the car park whilst they were cutting and we would you know talk about the day and things and i would just watch over the whole factory really and i'd be able to go up to the staff and talk to them um and just kind of float around really but yeah i i remember that very well um and then obviously as i got older i would you know come in after school or um yeah, I think, I think that is my yeah biggest memory, really. But it, it's always been obviously a part of who we are, and you know, what we did, the, the work life, really.
0: Cindy, I think you had jazz and also stepped up into the managing director role within a couple of years of of those those things happening. Do you look back fondly at that time? As a as a new mother and as a new managing director, or do you just think actually I must have been crazy to take all that on at the same time?
1: No, I didn't think I was crazy. I just it was something that I want just desperately wanted to do. Yeah, I just it was just my raison d'être. Carry on, carry on the family business. We do think of ourselves as sort of custodians, Charles's fifth generation, and. um yeah, it was just I just passionately wanted to do it.
0: Chaz, did you get that your mother had these two big hats to wear in the family as the business custodian, but also as your mother? Did you did you recall those those almost two, sort of two different not identities but two different big things that that your mom was doing at the time?
2: Yeah, they were her two big loves. It was me and my brother, and and obviously the Owen Barry as a company. Um so there were many times where we would spend it with our grandparents um more so than maybe my mum and dad um however my dad is also part of the business so I would have gone on um trips out we used to have many outworkers um through Somerset, Wiltshire, um, Dorset, and Devon. And so he would drive round, and I would be in the car with him, going to various different um, key outworkers and, and meeting them. And I remember some of those women quite well. Um, obviously, a lot of them aren't with us anymore, are mm. they? No. Um, so I remember that. But um, yeah, I, I, you kind of got used to being with our grandparents though, and and enjoyed it really. And then we would see them at the weekends or of an evening. And that was just part of growing up. I didn't really know any different.
0: And were you interested in the business and what was going on? Or did you have your own ideas of what you wanted to do?
2: I guess I was interested. You know, it took up a a big proportion of my um, mum and dad's life. So yeah, I was always interested. I had A few ideas and maybe other things that I wanted to do but it kind of um, fell into a similar situation as Cindy really where um, I was asked to to fill in an admin role Um, and at that time I said well if I do that I'll I'll never leave and and I haven't and I'm here still 14 years on and um you know carrying on so yeah and 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 thoroughly enjoy it and 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 love coming to work which I know some people can't say that which I find really sad so for me it's it's great I wake up in the morning and 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 enjoy coming in here and and being with all the team
0: You obviously make quite a formidable duo now, but Chaz, maybe um, maybe that wasn't the case as a as a teenager. I don't know. Did Do, did you always see eye to eye with your mother?
2: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think we did actually. Uh, we've got pretty similar views. I think I'm very much like her, actually, um, in a personal and business sense. Really, uh, we we agree on on most things. Um, most most of the time so yeah
0: and with that connection what does that add in the way in which you work together
2: um well I think it helps us um work together easily we we agree on product quality of product um how we want to manufacture um and the enjoyment that we get from working with leather and sheepskin and staying true to our heritage um So we respect each other um, in our views. Um, I would say I'm the more driven one. I'm interested in the sales and maybe the forward development of the company. And this is helped and managed by my partner, who is also part of the company as well. He's the finance director. Um, Whereas Cindy loves um, to make nice things. She's very creative and, and enjoys um, yeah making if, if she could she would make things every day um, it's just that doesn't doesn't work sometimes within the business now we have to do other things so um, yeah we we do we we get on and and we we appreciate each other's thoughts and things and we bounce off each other well um, and it also helps having Jack with us as well because he shows another light on on other aspects as well to the company
0: when it comes to making decisions about the business is it a do you think it's a strength or a challenge to have an additional personal connection between the two of you when you're when you have to to make tough decisions about what the business is going to do next
2: i don't think so no i think we take a long time to consider things um you know I think that goes back to how we were brought up and and what we think um you know we can't just make a yes or a no. we have to really which can be quite hard work sometimes, can't it? It can take us a long time to to think about it um yeah,
1: we don't do things rashly, we like to be try to be um fair and honest and um. Do things for the best, I suppose, in our tiny minds. Anyway, yeah.
0: What characteristics do you think you rely on mostly, most heavily in each other?
1: Charles is um, very good cutting through the. Um... Cutting through, cutting through to the nub of of seeing things and seeing the problem, and um, whereas I'm much more of an ostrich and uh, will bury my head and just sort of oh well, we'll make another nice one and um, you know another colour or that'll that'll help. Um, whereas uh, Chaz is much more
2: focused, I guess. Yeah, focused and maybe a bit more
1: organized yeah you're definitely yeah. more organized yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> are you the one that plans the family holidays then
1: we don't have holidays <laughs> <laughs> we're we <don't>. working <laughs> yeah. if we have holidays they're usually for a big a, a big holiday for a big event sort of my 50th or 60th and it just so happens that that when i was 50 Charles was 21 and so those are when big holidays happen but other than that very rarely get away but yes
2: I do do all the booking for uh for you know hotels when we go away and things and then if Cindy does go away I do get the odd phone call saying oh I need your help we need this and this so yeah I'm a bit of a PA sometimes as well
0: Can you talk me through your process of creation from the initial idea through to the final product?
2: So our inspiration would come from um, various places. Obviously, pre-COVID, we would have traveled, um, well, for for market research, which would be attending trade shows or forecasting events. Um, Plus, we work closely with high-end international designers. Um, and retailers so all of this is just a great melting pot for us to uh put all our ideas in um and then work with the key elements that we feel would um fit into the owen barry brand um and and stay relevant whilst reflecting obviously our skills and our love for leather um and making kind of timeless pieces
1: and then uh, once we've kind of selected the the skins and the designs that sit within our signature, then it's a case of um, doing the patterns. That would be that would be me and the team, the manufacturing team of which many of them have been with us. For forever for from let from school so um a lot of it is very much a process that the whole team know um how the the patterns the construction um everybody can contribute to how the the products are developed and um then they're sort of Nuanced and and finessed and put out to the marketplace, and feedback comes. But that's the beauty of being quite a a small uh, hands-on artisan team or smaller. We can, um, if say Japan likes something, but wants those things just just changed or adapted. It's very quick and easy for us to uh, to finesse designs and, um, and patterns to make it quite quickly commercial. We don't have many duff ones. And, of course, everything is, is made not to order, but is made just, um, yeah, made to order. It is made to order, essentially. So we don't have lots of stock or products that we've just conceived and made or imported from India or China that we've got a flog because we're lumbered with it. It's it's stuff that we make because people want to buy it and we can make it and turn it round in fairly short time. Although, of course, ironically slow fashion is the uh, um, is the phrase of the moment out there and slow fashion is what we've been doing through our skills and our manufacturing processes for a lot of years.
0: Yeah I was going to touch on that because obviously the craftsmanship that's involved in hand making all those, uh, all of the, the products that you have is hugely important but what significance do you place on the provenance of the materials that you're that you're using as well? How important is that to you
1: it's It's the main thing. It's the resourcing and the hand selecting of the materials and uh, making sure that they're environmentally both friendly and um, fit for purpose is what we know. Through our DNA, it's it's our, you know, it's the stick of rock thing. It's, it's all we've ever known. It's where we come from, leather. So going into the marketplace and finding the correct leathers and uh, working with the tanneries and developing them is what it's all about, really, finding yeah, beautiful skins and appreciating it. And it isn't until, I guess... We don't realise how important it is because it's all we've ever done, but it isn't until you're working with photographers or big fashion brands and they sort of are very generous about their comments about our product that we realise perhaps, well, bloody hell, we do know what we're talking about and we do make a nice product. It's just, to us, it's second nature.
0: What does that high level of values, high level of quality, and real drive to make sure that you are creating the best product that you can and being true to the heritage of of the company. What does that mean in terms of how you recruit and train your people?
1: It's very much a family business. Um, People who come into the industry um, love the industry anyway but the most recent trainees that we've we've had are people that have also still got family members within the factory or have had people that have worked for us in the past so um training them they already know what the industry, what the, the upsides and the downsides are. They know that there's a lot of creativity, there's a lot of variation, but they're never going to retire to the Bahamas on the wages. They've already got a feeling. And and so that's easier. It's, it's easier when there's not not high expectations, but they know that there's going to be something interesting to do. Just different things every day, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Never a dull moment. Well,
0: in terms of that, that pride of of product and pride in sort of craftsmanship, is that something that you've seen more of from a from a domestic market and a, a sort of demand for the British heritage in recent times?
1: Yeah I I guess so definitely people are undoubtedly coming back to supporting uh british made and appreciating british made and the uh sourcing local and the the value of buying something that's that's closer to home that'll last a long time um we, we're definitely seeing that. That said, our export market is still our biggest market um, because the British manufacturing um, isn't perhaps quite as affordable as a lot of the imported um, merchandise is. So until... They appreciate the long-term value for money that they're buying a product that'll last them a lifetime, um, and in some cases gets handed down and becomes a heritage piece. Until folk have got their head around that, it's a bit difficult. But I do think yes, more and more. Would you think so, Chaz?
2: Yeah, I I agree. Yeah, I think um, I think it, it, people are starting to um open up to buying more british made and supporting potentially owen barry um but i think you know for us it, it has to be our american and our japanese customer that have supported us throughout um I, I understand you know what british made is all about uh from the get-go really they don't need a lot of um explaining to they just they just love it really
0: what are the signature pieces that do well in those markets and that people keep coming back to you for
2: um so for us in america it would be our outerwear because obviously they get the cold weather which we don't necessarily get so much in the uk um and then for japan um it's becoming more and more of our lifestyle collection our interiors um they also do take our handbags as well, and our accessories, so mittens and shrugs, they
1: are the main. Yeah, Yeah. I'd say those were the main. Uh, Different areas have got different gender. I mean, South Korea, for example, the Owen Barry Range is huge there for men. And again, for North America, we've got um, quite a, a big uh male following in in north america as well whereas perhaps the uk were best known for our handbags yeah. and uh japan for uh ladies fashion so uh each market brings um different customers and and different styling different requirements which suits me down to the ground because it means I can just keep making more.
0: Jazz, you mentioned the the outerwear in, in the US and I know that uh, the sort of sheepskin, shilling jackets is something that that you guys do. I suppose in the UK fashion and, and the way that people look at that, there's a little bit of a perception around, well, it's 1970s, football manager, Dell Boy kind of thing. But I think, I can't remember which magazine it was, but I think there was a sort of, they're making a comeback or or they have done you know in in recent years in a slightly different style though right
2: yeah but i think it's like anything everything comes back round doesn't it so you know if you've got your um your heirloom from back in the day then you can get it back out but people are putting you know twists on those type of stylings uh we're always having to uh tweak a a style slightly not by much but just to keep it fresh and updated but yes sheepskin coats are certainly um something that people are talking about again
1: for sure yeah they're very much back on trend at the moment uh Where faux fur had its time in the sun um, a few years ago, um, nowadays people are going back to natural and wanting the the natural materials and uh, faux and the the plastics and uh, the more synthetic things um, are falling away. But everything goes round.
0: Yeah, there is there's definitely a sustainability piece of the conversation here, right? Because you talked about how you might spend more on on a proper properly made leather bag, but it is natural materials, there's there's no plastic in it. It's something that's gonna last four generations, you don't have to replace it in five years' time when it all falls apart. So and I think that point that you made earlier around the slow fashion and people realizing that actually we don't live on a planet where the the resources are are infinite we have to think more about what we buy and how we look after the the things that we own as well
1: totally that's our raison d'être really is to, uh, I mean, Owen Barry products come with a, a a lifetime guarantee, so we expect our products to last a lifetime, and there aren't any caveats to that lifetime guarantee. The product is made to such a level with such quality and beautiful materials, that we'd be disappointed if it didn't last a lifetime and give the wearer, the purchaser, huge enjoyment. And even when they get it out of the wardrobe, in 10 years, 15, 20 years' time, I mean, we've got testimonials and customers coming back from um, you you still using the grandma's sheepskin coat and um, that is true um, environmentally friendly when you can get a product that I believe lasts that long and gives enjoyment for that long
0: so what's next for for you in the business Chaz I know you've you've already got the next generation lined up and ready to take over haven't you
1: I hope so. Yeah, <laughs> he he can only he only comes into the factory at the moment. What about twice a week? Yeah, yeah, he does. Yeah, on the odd. Yeah, yeah, for a few and then hours. of course we've got all of the health and safety things that um, are are different from Chaz and Mais' day, where um, it used to be able to go onto the the factory floor and things like that. That won't be happening for quite some time.
0: No. But we'll we'll check back in in a in a few yeah. years and see how it's getting on.
1: Yeah, yeah. But with regard to um, where the the company is going, certainly uh, as you've already mentioned about the appreciation of British made by uh, the British consumer, we would like to make the brand um, more recognised in in the uk uh perhaps to the level that it is perhaps offshore a bit um that would be our objective i guess would yeah. it
2: yeah very yeah. much
1: so yeah to
2: continue manufacturing timeless good quality products that people can
1: enjoy
0: We well, hope you can stay in somerset and do all, do all of that as well
2: oh so you
1: don't, we don't need to move we're, never, yeah. we're not we're, we're not, not going not, anywhere we're not we're not leaving somerset that's that's no, that's absolutely a given. Many uh, times it's been suggested that we ought to be looking to be importing or buying offshore. That was pre or what we've got now, but certainly in the uh, 90s and, and 2000s it was suggested we ought to supplement our manufacturing capacity by importing things for buying offshore and we went to china and we had a look and we came home and we carried on making it home here it's um yeah not something we want to do we don't want to leave somerset thank you all the same you've got to put up with us (laughs)
0: Cindy, Chaz, we're now going to play Somerset Who's Who, which is the game where I'm going to give you the names of people with a Somerset connection and two identities, one of which is real and the other is entirely made up, uh, and you have to tell me which one you think that person's real identity is. So I've got five names, and for each of them I'll give you the two identities and you have to tell me uh, tell me your guess. I think you probably have to both agree, or you can play against each other.
1: Ooh. How do you want to do this? Well, you tell us the first set of names and we'll, we'll decide okay. whether we can agree or not on All it. All right. Yeah.
0: Okay. So your first name is Jeremy Rees. Was Jeremy Rees A, the founder of Bristol's Arnolfini Centre, or B, a novelist known for his Cold War spy fiction?
1: I'm going to go B. Well, I'll go A then. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay,
2: we're going to do it like that, are we?
1: I don't mind. I, do you I would...
2: think it's A, though?
1: Yeah, I definitely do. Oh, right, yeah. Okay, well, then that's fine then, isn't it? Yeah, fine.
2: Yeah, I'll go with A then. Okay. On that one, or do we find out at the end?
0: It oh. was A. Yes!
1: Ah! Yeah, okay.
0: <laughs> I might have to... I'm going to have to keep score.
1: Oh, don't worry. Chance is keeping score. Yeah, we're we're really really okay. <laughs> i have got the like, like, organisation I'm very right. so this, this is getting me down. <laughs> we're only one in. Give us a break. All
0: right. Then. So, your next name is... Frederick John Horniman. Was he an infamous highwayman in Georgian Somerset or B, a tea trader and museum founder?
1: Sorry, can you repeat his surname? Horniman. I'd go for the highwayman.
2: Well, so would have I because it references the Somerset, but I'll do do B again. No, no, do not. No, no, okay. Uh, Uh, Highwayman or um, tea trader. Or tea
0: trader and museum founder.
2: Yeah, um, yeah, I'll go museum founder.
0: He is a museum founder.
2: Yes! <laughs> get what it. One a piece. <laughs> nice, yeah,
0: Ooh. cool. This is gonna get, get competitive. All right, your next name is Eva Elwes. I'm not entirely sure I'm pronouncing her second name right. It's spelt oh. E-L-W-E-S. Was she an actress and playwright who wrote over 50 plays in the early 20th century? Or, a campaigner against child labour in the early 1800s. I'd
2: go A. What would you go?
1: Ironically, I was going to go B. I was going to say a, a, a child.
2: Yeah, well, let's
0: yeah. do that
2: then. Yeah, yeah. I'll, go, I'll go B. will go A, please. It's A. Jazz. <laughs> Great
0: stuff. <laughs> All right, we've got two more. Yeah. Two yeah. more. Um, your next name is Kathleen Velicott Jones.
1: Sounds posh. Mm.
0: does sound posh. Was Kathleen Velicott Jones A, a classical pianist who performed with Leonard Bernstein or B, a British Canadian journalist and photographer?
2: I'll go A. I'll go B. It's B. Chaz, This is brilliant. I'm just absolutely uh, yeah. wicking you here.
0: Chas is winning. Um, yeah. What is it? Is it three one so it. far? Yes.
1: Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So there's there's one more. So Cindy, this is your opportunity to yeah,
1: get some shines. get some pride back. <laughs> Cheers.
0: Your okay. so the last name is Clement Tudway. So was Clement Tudway a the MP for Wells for over fifty years, or B the first president of the Royal Infirmary in Bristol?
1: I'll go for the Royal Infirmary in Bristol. Mm-hmm. I would have done that, but that's fine. I'll go, no,
2: no, 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 I'll go, I'll go A, cause, um, we, yeah, she could have yeah. been the MP of
1: Wales.
0: He was the MP of Wales. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, okay, well. I didn't want to play anyway.
0: <laughs> Cindy, after a good start, you got one, uh, and then Cheers. and then Chaz sort of took over and got four out of five. Yeah. So well done to you. Is
2: that good? Is that a good score?
0: No yeah. one's got, yeah, no no one on the season has got f- any more than three yet. So four is the oh, best wow. score that I, we've had I, I, so I'm far.
2: The, I'm the leaderboard then.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well done.
2: Thank you. But it's all luck, isn't it? <laughs> no, that's, believe it or not, I, I knew a lot of votes. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. do <dear. laughs> Oh, okay. no, it's luck, yeah.
0: Before we go, where can people find out more about uh, the two of you and about Owen Barry?
2: Um, you can visit our website uh www.owenbarry.com, and on our social media channels uh Facebook and Instagram.
1: And of course then we do Pinterest as well I suppose, don't we? Yes. But also we're uh featured in a book we Owen Barry are members of Leather UK and they've just uh published a uh stunning sort of coffee table book uh, called The Art of Leather, which is um, championing British companies who are involved in in leather and and sheepskin businesses, a whole spectrum of of different businesses. And so we're we're in The the Art of Leather. But yeah, the easiest, I suppose, is our website, owenbarry.com and then social.
0: Cindy Chaz, thank you so much for your time. It's been great hearing about your family's history um, and what you're doing right now. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Well, thank you for inviting me. Enjoyed it. It's been fun. Yeah. Yeah. She's happy she won the quiz.
0: (laughs) Thank you for listening to this episode of Somerset Stories. If you liked it, you can subscribe on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on social media, at Somerset Stories, or email hello at somersetstories.com. Music on all Somerset Stories productions is created by Jazar. You can be found at betterwithmusic.com. See you next time.